welcome to the Doodle Kisses podcast, an extension of doodlekisses.com. I'm your host, Adina Pearson. Doodlekisses.com is the social network for Labradoodle and Golden Doodle owners, wannabe owners, and the Doodle Curious. The goal of this podcast is to provide education, entertainment, and connect with our Doodle Kisses members on the topic of Labradoodles, Golden Doodles, and dogs in general. I've been having a lot of fun doing these podcasts, interviewing interesting people and learning along with you. I really don't want to stop. However, producing a podcast takes time and money. I am willing to put in the time, but I don't have podcast production skills, so I can't produce these episodes myself. This is where you come in. If you're getting anything out of listening to these podcasts, if you're learning, if you're enjoying hearing from different people about doodles, please consider supporting the Doodle Kisses podcast. If every single person who listened to at least one episode gave $1, we could cover the production of four podcasts. At least. If you gave $5, we'd be done fundraising for the year. Please go check out our GoFundMe page. If you're not the tipping kind or aren't in a position to make a donation, consider shopping through our Amazon link. That's amazon.doodlekisses.com. Every time you buy something through that link, we get a small commission, and it doesn't cost you a penny extra. Links for both of these options are in the show notes for this episode. Today, I'm speaking with Doodle Kisses member Stacy, who has two Golden Doodles and one Labradoodle. When she adopted her adorable Maggie, she had no idea what she was in for. Maggie wanted nothing to do with her and seemed like her life purpose was to escape from Stacy's jail. It was hard not to take it personally, because aren't Doodles supposed to love people? Why did her dog not even recognize her existence and want so badly to get away? Was there any hope? Learn about Stacy's journey with Maggie and how they found a way to bond in today's episode. Enjoy the show. Hi, Stacy. Hi. It's so great to have you here. <laughs> we just had a pre-recording chat and now we're awkward. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, I feel like I don't really remember when you joined Doodle Kisses at all. Like somehow you're just there and I don't remember like the start and end of that. But maybe it's because you had a different profile photo. Sometimes if someone has changed their profile photo and I haven't seen them in a while, that happens. So tell us how you first joined Doodle Kisses, how long ago, what brought you there? So I think it was about five years ago, because Katie's five. Um, I was, I think it was probably when I was waiting to pick her up that I joined Doodle Kisses. Um, she was my very first doodle. She's a miniature golden doodle. Um, and I didn't know a whole lot about, about them. I had papillons before I had doodles. And so I just kind of wanted to learn about the breed and figure out what I was doing. Yeah, so Papillons, that is a very, very different dog than than the big old doodle. Um, how what kind of dogs did you grow up with? Well, um actually I think that my first full phrase was I want a dog. And my mom wasn't really a dog person. So um my dad was only interested in having hunting dogs. So our first dog was German wire hair pointer named Fritz. And he was not my dog. <laughs> he um, 
he smelled. He smelled. <laughs> he smelled. I have never met another dog that smelled as bad as Fritz did. But he was mostly an outside dog, not because I wanted him to be outside, but that was kind of the family thing. Um, he bit me when I was about 12 years old. Um, it was my fault in hindsight. I stuck my hand in his crate when I shouldn't have, and it was more of a warning than anything. Um, but after that, he went to live with my grandparents. Um, and a few years later, we got a German short hair pointer. Her name was Tori. And then my dad sent her off to be trained to be a hunting dog for, there's some family disagreement about how long, but I think it was like two years. She was gone. She was with a friend of his forever. And so when she came back, she was grown and she wasn't my dog either. Um, and my mom always said, when you're an adult, you can have as many dogs as you want. And I really kind of took that to heart. And so um, when I was a, after my sophomore year of college, I got my first dog and it's been dogs ever since. Awesome. And so at what point did you end up with Papillons? So in 1999, the Papillon won Westminster and we grew up without cable. So I had never watched the dog show, um, but that was love at first sight. Like I saw them and I had to have one. I was just in love, like besotted. Um, and so that was February. I think it was July when I got my first dog. Um, he was a breeder rehome and he was truly not a rescue. It was a nice breeder. Um, they just had too many dogs and I wanted one so bad. And they were going on a road trip from California to visit family in Iowa and they brought him with them. And we drove my boyfriend at the time, we drove up to Iowa and picked him up. And his name was Teddy. He was a fabulous dog. He was two. And he lived to be 15. Um, and we had such a good time. He was a really, really good dog. The first day I got him, we took him over to my boyfriend's parents. And he was chasing a ball because that's what he did. And he jumped into the pool. And in my panic, I jumped into the pool right after him. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> he never did that again. Um, <laughs> decided he wasn't a water dog <laughs> yeah not a water dog um after that after I graduated from college I bought a house like immediately and I started doing some uh fostering for Papillon Rescue and I ended up with a couple more um one little toothless guy came from a shelter uh, in Kansas City and he was my best little buddy for like nine years and then one that was just supposed to be a foster, she, her name was Olivia. She, um, I had her spayed. She came from a puppy mill, um, brought her home from the vet, sat her on the couch, turned around to sit down with her. She jumped off the couch and broke her leg. <laughs> yeah. And like $2,500 later, she was my dog. Um, she like was under my arm for six weeks in a cast. So she was a very sweet little dog, but she didn't do stairs. She didn't do potty training. Um, she was just a little lap dog. And um, after the boys passed away, I was like, I need a dog who I can potty train because the Papillons are not so, they're notoriously hard to house break. And so that was why I decided to go with something bigger. And that's how I came to have doodles. Yeah. So that first doodle. Um, going from Papillon to just something bigger, what made you turn toward doodles? What, how did you hear about them and, and why did you choose one? 
So I Googled a lot. Um, I like fluffy. I like long-haired, fluffy, friendly, soft dogs. Um, and they just really checked off all the boxes. And, you know, coming from the purebred side of things, I knew that there would be people who would think that I was doing something unethical by getting a doodle. And eventually I decided that you should be able to have the dog that you want. And this was the dog I wanted. I couldn't think of any other dog that would be as perfect as a doodle. Yeah, so. ideally, right? Mm-hmm. So great dogs. Yeah. So um, you decided on a doodle and you mm-hmm. said golden. she's a um, mini golden doodle. Mm-hmm. Correct? correct. And F1 or F1B? F1B. Okay. And so you brought this doodle home and was she what you expected? She is, but she is more of the, um, what are you, Katie? She is hyper uh-huh. and she is sassy. Um, and she ate everything. <laughs> I can't tell you how many pairs of underwear that she's chewed through and computer cords. And she ate everything. She uh-huh. um, She really got me to put things away. <laughs> I got better at housekeeping. Um, but she's wonderful, wonderful. And after, after Katie, when she was two, I had the opportunity to bring home her mom, her biological mother, who was an F1 golden doodle. And that was Ava. Um, it turned out Katie did not come from a very good breeder. Um, she, Ava stopped having puppies and they, they gave her to me. And she was not a very healthy dog. She had mouth cancer. Um, she, I only had her for 17 months. She was truly my heart dog. Um, and she had some mystery illness and we tried everything to figure out what was wrong with her and never could come up with a diagnosis. She had lung issues and she passed away, um, in February, the day after my birthday, February of 2018. So it was just me and Katie then. And, um, Nine days later, I brought home Maggie (laughs) because the only thing I could think that would maybe make things better was their dog. I just had to fill that hole that that Ava had left and nothing can ever fill that hole, but I needed something to try and make it better. (laughs) Maggie was not it. At that moment, Maggie was not it. How did you find Maggie? Because, you know, so quickly. Right. Um. It was, it was a happy accident. Um, I was actually talking to some poodle breeders. Um, I kind of thought I wanted a standard poodle. And I even talked to um, the breeder of Karen's Jasper about a puppy. And I was sitting in the parking lot of the grocery store, and Karen sent me a message. She said, this dog is a, a DRC dog, and she's going to break the website. If you have any interest in her, you need to get your application in. And I looked at her and I went, oh, my dog. (laughs) And so I went home and I filled out the application. Uh, She was in St. Louis, so she was like four hours away. And like the next weekend, I went out there, um, met her foster moms, who are some of my favorite people in the world, and brought her home. So that's how it just fate, you know, the right place, the right time the right location of the dog. Yeah. And, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like fate early on because she was not 
the dream doodle. She was not an easy dog. And before you get into that, I just want to mention you said DRC, and that stands for Doodle Rescue Collective. It's one of the two big national doodle rescue organizations, and they have foster uh, volunteers throughout the country, not everywhere, not in every state, but spread out, you know, East Coast to West Coast here and there. And that's that's where you got um, Maggie. So tell us about what it was like, what Maggie was like early on. Just tell, lay that <laughs> lay that foundation of what what you were dealing with. So, you know, obviously you don't know the background of a dog going in to rescue. She was about a year and a half old. I was told that she spent a lot of time in a crate before she came to rescue. She was incredibly shut down. Um, afraid of everything. She wouldn't stay in the same room with me. She wouldn't look at me. She wouldn't have anything to do with me. Like I would walk into the room and she would turn around and walk away. Um, and she was not potty trained. <laughs> I think in her foster home, she was doing well with, with potty pads, but they had tile floors and I think she, I have carpet. So I think oh. she thought my whole house was a potty pad. Yeah. And, you know, you expect tinkles with a puppy. That's just normal. But this is like full 55 pound a gallon of urine on your carpet. So I spent a lot of time cleaning carpet. And the smell was just overwhelming. <sighs> so you try to crate her, but she escaped the crate a couple times. She was just frantic in there. So I tried to gate her in the kitchen where it's linoleum. And the dog, she can clear anything. <laughs> And, you know, the pressure gates, she would knock those over. So I mounted one to the wall and she just sailed right over that. So then I put another pressure gate above that one. So it's like, you know, six feet tall. And she managed to knock that one down. And then I got a taller gate. I think the tallest one I could find was 41 inches. And she went over that. And then I put a chair in front of the gate thinking it's like too broad to jump. <laughs> and she went over that. And I was like, what am I supposed to do here? Uh, and finally, um, I ended up with a different crate. And we did a lot of training, a lot of work. And she was comfortable in the crate. But before we got to that point, I tried leaving her in the garage. And it's a, it's a comfortable garage. You know, it's clean. I put a recliner out there for her. She, she should have been pretty happy in the garage, but she wasn't. Uh, the garage is heated, but it's not air conditioned. So my dad came over and we put a, a window unit out there for her. And um, she managed to jump out the window. Oh, wow. And out of the window was, that had the AC unit? Yes. Wow like a five inch gap and she's a good sized dog. And I don't know, I, to this day, I don't know how she got through there. She like shrunk, <laughs> but I had mounted cameras in the, to watch her because at that point, all I did all day at work was watch her on the camera. And all of a sudden she was gone. I, she was just gone and I was frantic. And to be fair, the window opens into the backyard, and I have a privacy fence out there. So I thought she was probably okay, but I couldn't work thinking about it. So I, had, I went home, and nurses don't do that. Nurses don't go home. So I went home in the middle of the day. The dog was in the backyard. I, 
I don't even remember where I put her. I brought her back inside. I think she was just free in the house and went back to work. It was really challenging. Um, I brought a trainer into the house. He's a, a great trainer, positive reinforcement. So, so I just want to back up. It sounds, I mean, yeah. just from what you told, she was an escape artist. Did she have um, trouble relating to you or, or your other dog or any, anything aggressive or anything like that? She didn't have any aggression. Um, she didn't relate to me at all, at mm-hmm. all. Like we weren't, I didn't even exist. A feral dog, essentially. Kind of. I mean, she just didn't do people. She uh-huh. loved Katie. She and Katie got along great. But she, it was like I wasn't even there. She okay. didn't acknowledge my existence. I couldn't, she wouldn't take treats from me. Um, she wouldn't look at me. She just, she wouldn't sleep in the bed. She just no interest in me at all. Do we, did you know her history at all? Like, did she come from a family? Was she a puppy mill breeder or anything like that? Well, I know she came from a puppy mill. She was not a breeder. Um, from the paperwork I have, she spent about six months in, at the puppy mill before she was purchased initially. Mm-hmm. And then the only thing I know is I was told she was purchased by an older person who couldn't handle her and they just kept her in a crate for a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think her coat was in pretty bad shape when she came into rescue. So they like shaved her down and, and, you know, being what the trainer told me is being in the puppy mill environment. She relates great to dogs. She'll always do well with dogs, but people are a different story. Probably not a lot of socialization. Right, right. Who are these strange creatures mm-hmm. that walk on two legs? So you brought a trainer and that's where, mm-hmm. and, yes. and what was that like? What kinds of things did you have to work on? Well, so he's, he's all positive reinforcement. He's a great trainer. He focuses a lot on hand feeding. That's what he suggests. You have to make that bond with your dog, that connection, and the way to the dog's hearts through their stomach. So you all meals are hand fed, but we got stuck immediately because she wouldn't take anything from me. She wouldn't take bacon from me. She wanted nothing. So we were just throwing treats at her (laughs) (laughs) and she might eat them and then leave. But that's where we started is just throwing food. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really funny picture. Yeah, Please love me. Trust me. <laughs> That's I think exactly if somebody threw was. if somebody threw donuts toward me, I might like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, I, I hired him for the first hour, and he actually came back a total of four times because he's like, "There's not really anything we can we can't train her because she's so shut down. She doesn't acknowledge your existence. We can't really train her." Um, he was more of my therapist at that point. I yeah. didn't, he did anything with the dog because it was hard. You know, you're like, why doesn't this dog like me? Dogs like me. This dog doesn't like me. So, uh, so that's where we started. Um, and then I decided to put her in a group training class and she still wouldn't look at me, but I was like, we're going, we're going to go to this class. What's the worst thing that can happen? And I had been trying for nine weeks to lure her into a sit with a treat. And that wasn't going to happen. And the trainer that night looked at me and she said, just make her sit. 
And so I, you know, put my hand under her back legs and, you know, put my hand on her chest and like, and we both ended up falling on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) She was not going to take that. She was not in that. But something happened in that moment. And she looked at me and I looked at her and I was like, oh, and after that, like, leaps and bounds of improvement I don't know what happened but something happened well I do know what happened we had also put her on Prozac and that was about six weeks into the Prozac so I think between the training and the medication she really started to open up Mm -hmm. so that was at the, the suggestion of the trainer and the vet was that sometimes dogs need a little more help than what we can give them just behaviorally. Yeah. Sometimes their brain can't handle the stimuli and what you're trying to help them figure out until it's been calmed down Mm -hmm. a little bit. So that makes sense. So this was how long, how long ago was this moment where you kind of made her sit and then she was like, Oh, I see you. (laughs) That was in about April, April of 2018. So not quite a year and a half. Okay. So fast forward to today and just to like get you to the happy part of the story, Maggie has earned obedience titles and all sorts of things. So you're in a totally different place from that moment of, you know, making her sit to now. Was it kind of continual improvement? Did you have, you know, times when you felt like, okay, this is as good as it's going to get, and we're never going to do anything more than just tolerate each other? Absolutely. Um, it did, at that from that point on, it did continually get better. But then there are still times when you're like, okay, this is as good as it's going to get, because I want her to sleep with me, and she didn't want anything to do with that. And then in the last week, she's been coming up on the bed. She doesn't stay all night, but she'll stay for an hour or two, and I'm like, I'm afraid to move. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave <laughs> she likes you she likes me and she does like me and now she's my dog she's very much my dog she'll lay her head on my leg and just look at me with these big dark eyes and I can see it she's like I trust you and it's such an amazing feeling I, it's so rewarding I think because we worked so hard to get here oh yeah you know, more than if she was just an easy dog, you know, we worked so hard and I'm so proud of everything that she's accomplished. And, you know, there are times when I'm like, she's not, she's not the same dog that she would have been if she had had a different beginning. Um, but she's starting to let people pet her. It took a year before my mom got to touch her. Like, even just just a petter at all. Was she just avoidant or did she act aggressively in any way? Oh, she was never, she doesn't have a mean bone in her body, but if you reach for her, she just like scoots out of the way. She's like, I don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) Or she'll hide behind me or just, just try to avoid the situation. She's very, very gentle, very soft. Mm-hmm. I think you'd break her heart if you used any sort of punishment. She's She likes to be told that she's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, though, don't you think, that we expect dogs to just, I mean, 
a healthy dog usually likes people, but we expect dogs and other animals to just relish being touched by strangers and approached. But we would never expect that of children. Like, here's a stranger, let him pet your head and hold you and pick you up and, you know, take you on the playground swing, you know. And it's funny yeah. that we expect all these things of dogs to just want, <laughs> want every stranger to pet them. And, and it's not necessarily how all dogs come out. Right. And because she's like soft and fluffy and really pretty, everyone wants to touch her. So I kind of have to protect her from that. It's like, you know, please don't pet her. She doesn't like that. Um, but she decides that she likes people. Um, when I take her to a kennel club meeting, there are a few people. She's like, you're my friend. Give me treats. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. It, it really is. And one of the kennel club ladies says, she may be my therapy dog before, ther yeah, therapy dog before it's over. You know, I kind of wanted to do that. And then I was like, but she doesn't like people. So this isn't going to work out. Uh -huh. but she's really starting to seek out attention. Yeah. So, And she might be that lady's therapy dog, even if she doesn't want to do that for a living. <laughs> I mean, she's definitely my therapy dog, but yeah. you know, to go visit some other people as well. Does she have any different reaction toward children versus adults, men versus women? She's not sure about kids, but just avoidant. She's like, mm. um, and I have a male trainer during this session of, of classes, and she's not sure about him either. Um, I let him hold the leash, and she's like, Mom, Mom <laughs> take me back. Um, but like I said, she's. She just wants to get away. She doesn't want to hurt anybody. She just she just wants to come back to me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're taking that initial obedience class. You got her to sit, or sort of. You ended up on the ground. <laughs> you're no longer standing. That's a change. Um, at what point between then and now did you think, hey, let's try our hand at actually competing or you know signing up for a competition instead of just, well, you know, we went through the basics and we're good enough. So she really likes classes. Once we got through that initial, I hate everything period, she loves to ride in the car. She loves to go bye-bye. So because she seemed to enjoy it, I thought, let's do more. Let's, let's go back. Let's take another class. Um, she got her canine good citizen. I was so proud because oh. they have to be examined. And she actually sat and let someone touch her. Um, so and then they have to, they have to like wait for three minutes with the instructor or some, or a stranger basically to them while you're out of sight. And that's a big yes. deal for her. That's really hard. And I think she pulled quite a bit and they just sat there and let her pull on the leash. She didn't do anything else. She just wanted to come back to me. Um, I have a little separation anxiety with my dogs. So I'm like peeking through the window. <laughs> she doing okay in there but she did she did okay and she passed on her first try and so after that i was like what else can we do you know this is kind of fun i like this she likes this um so we took novice obedience which novice is hard novice is a really hard class and we did okay um and then we started taking rally and rally is what we have a title in are, are you familiar with rally um, it's like, I feel like it's the miniature golf version of golfing, right? Like it's just little stations. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. There are signs on the course and at each sign, it tells you to do something, um, okay. turn left, turn right, sit down, those types of, 
of obedience things. And it is not as, it's still challenging, but it's not quite as hard as traditional obedience. Um, and I really like the class because every week they just set up a course and they let you run through the course. They, and they don't offer a ton of feedback. They'll tell you a few things, but they just let you do it. And that's what we like. Um, the other thing about rally is you can talk to your dog while you're competing. Right. And she, again, she likes that. Um, she, you know, you encourage them. You're doing good, you know. And um, it was, I think it was just a couple months ago, the instructor said, well, are you going to enter a show? And I was like, we're not ready. And they said, enter the show. And I was like, okay. So we entered. And it's out of 100 points, our first trial, uh, we got a 97 and a wow. first place. That's awesome. Congratulations. And I was, thank you. I wasn't expecting anything. I just thought, we're just going to go and we'll see what happens. And it's not a big deal. And she, she was fantastic. Um, I don't remember any of it because I was really nervous, but I have the video and she was fantastic. Um, so we entered the local show and you have to get three legs to get a title. Um, so we entered, it was a three day trial. So we entered all three days and uh, we were the only dogs in our class. So we got first place again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not bad. <laughs> but that we qualified. I was just so impressed. We qualified all three days and we got our title. Um, Next is intermediate, which is still on leash. And then you go to advanced, which is off leash. So I don't know. I don't know if we'll get there, but we might. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It sounds like she loves it and likes that kind of attention a lot. We also took a tricks class and we got our novice trick title as well. So she had to learn five tricks and she learned her tricks. And so she's got quite a few letters after her name especially from where she came from. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she's got the CGC. She's got her rally novice title and the tricks. Mm -hmm. Is it tricks dog or what's the. It's your trick dog novice. Okay. <laughs> I get confused. Cool. So what are her, hard. what are her tricks? Um, they're easy tricks. What did she do? Um, pause up. So two paws up on a, a low stool. Mm -hmm. No, not all the way up. Just standing on something. Um, there's place where she's completely standing on a bed, um, puppy push-ups. <laughs> what else did we do? I don't even know anymore. I'll have to think about that. There were a couple others that were also pretty, pretty easy tricks, um, but it was enough to get us a title. Yeah. That sounds like it would be a really, really fun, um, a fun thing for a lot of dog owners to participate who don't feel like they are excellent at getting that really strict obedience, but their dogs know a ton of tricks. And why not get a title and say, hey, you know, look at me. <laughs> Absolutely. It was a very, very low stress class. I loved that group because they were all kind of shy dogs. So we would practice for a while and then we'd just sit around and pet everybody's dogs, <laughs> which I think was good for the dogs, you know, confidence yeah. building. Yeah, very cool. So you might go on to something else. You might stop here. Um, we're not finished. I don't know where we're going next. Um, I went to a scent work trial as a volunteer a couple of weeks ago, and that looks really fun too. Um, also barn hunt where oh. they find the rat. The rat is in a tube. You don't really find a rat. <laughs> 
but they go through hay tunnels and they climb up on hay tunnels. And I think that would be a lot of fun for her because she really loves small furry things. Uh huh. Chasing squirrels is one of our best skills. Yeah. That's interesting. So the barn head is almost like a scent, scent work too, because the rat, this mouse or the rat isn't running away. So it's not chasing. That's exactly what it is. It's a a different scent. But that scent is rewarding on its own, where Mm -hmm. in scent work, the birch and anise and clove, you have to teach them that there's a reward involved. Mm -hmm. So I think, think barn hunt, she would know for sure that the rat was exciting. Uh She wasn't sure about, she wasn't sure about the boxes in scent work. (laughs) Did she get to play with it or were you just watching? We took a class. I didn't really know what I was doing, and she didn't really know what I what she was doing. It was like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> we didn't do very well. But now that I've seen other dogs do it, I have a better idea of what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, I just love this story so much. You know, the the moment I learned it, it's so beautiful because you took this dog, not knowing anything about her, she turned out to be a challenge in ways that you had not expected and yet you didn't give up on her. You didn't say, well, I guess this isn't my dream doodle. So let's find her a new home. Someone who wants to spend hours <laughs> trying to figure out this whole escape artist thing. You stuck with her and you tried so many different things and you continued and eventually you found your groove. You know, Maggie found her groove mm-hmm. and she, and through all that time and effort on your part, she learned to trust you. And now it's this beautiful, beautiful ending and beginning at the same time. (laughs) That's exactly it. Yes. Yes, that's exactly. There were people who told me I should give her back. And I just don't believe that you give up on things. When you've made a commitment, you figure it out. And, And we figured it out. But it wasn't without its challenge for sure. Right. She needed more time. She needed more time to figure out Mm -hmm. this whole human living with me situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now you have a third dog too. Tell us about the puppy. Uh, So back in March, I was looking at our local Golden Doodle Facebook page and somebody had a puppy, a 17 week old puppy that um, they had small dogs. And I think they just really didn't realize what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. And um, so I drove out to the middle of nowhere, Kansas, and picked her up. Um, she's an F1 Golden Duke standard. Her name is Willow, and she's the best little puppy. <laughs> um, she's also doing obedience classes. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to see a dog who hasn't been damaged by life compared to like Maggie, because everything is so easy for her. She just thinks the whole world was created to love her mm-hmm. and she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> um, the training is different because she's really motivated by treats where Maggie's still kind of, I'll take it, mm-hmm. but I don't need it. She's probably also motivated by you. Just the fact that she gets to spend time with you and earn some praise is probably... Yeah half the joy for her and so we've been she's been on she got spayed a month ago and has been on crate rest ever since she had some complications with her spay i have the worst luck with surgery and oh no but she is out of jail now and she's filthy because she's been digging in the mud (laughs) (laughs) oh i the spay just reminded me of one other thing you got she had a gastropexy too 
when she got spayed, right? Can you tell our listeners what gastropexy is and why you chose to do that? Sure. Um, So gastropexy, uh, in lay terms, they call it tacking the stomach. And the idea is to prevent GBV, so gastric dilation and bloat. Um, It tacks the stomach down so that if she does bloat, so the stomach gets full of gas, it can't twist. What happens when the stomach twists is that you cut off the blood supply and you have tissue death and they have to emergently go in and do surgery to untwist the stomach. If it doesn't happen often enough, the fatality rate with that is quite high. Um, It's very common in large breed dogs and dogs with very deep chests. So doodles are at, at fairly high risk for it. You see it a lot in Great Danes, Standard Poodles, all the, the thin, deep-chested breeds. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to prevent that if possible. So proactively, I decided to have the gastropexy done. Mm-hmm. And it's a fairly simple surgery? Um, it's a simple it's major surgery, just like anything. But if you do it at the same time that as the dog is spayed, it's the same incision. It's bigger, um, but it doesn't increase the recovery time at all. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the, the cause of Willow's complications. She developed some fluid underneath her incision, which is also just one of those things that happens. Right. Um, but like I said, if she bloats, it's still emergency. You still need to take them into the emergency vet for treatment. But hopefully it's not life-threatening the way torsion is. Right, right. That's a really, really scary condition. Um, and I do hear a lot about standard poodle breeders choosing to have their puppies get the gastropexy or recommending to the puppy buyers to get gastropexy done just to prevent that you know, fatality that could happen. Okay. Um, anything else? So in your journey with doodles, with Katie and Maggie and the puppy, um, what have you learned that you think new doodle owners might, you know, benefit from learning secondhand instead of having to go through it themselves? What do you want other doodle owners to know or prospective doodle owners? Um, I think it's really important to be careful when you choose your breeder. Really look for someone who does all the appropriate health testing, Um, someone who stands behind their dogs. Um, Katie was diagnosed with cancer when she was almost, when she was three, and she's doing very well, but her mother was not a well dog, and they probably should have never bred her. Um, Look for somebody who cares about their mama dogs because when i got ava she knew nothing she had been in a crate her whole life she had never been on a bed she'd never been on a walk and it was so sad to me that i purchased this puppy and gave her a fabulous life while her mom was suffering and so i really feel guilty about that um and i also think that training is so important give them a big life you know it's you train them you bond with them and it opens so many doors you can go places you can do things they don't have to just be a house dog they can have a really big life yeah absolutely i love that it's so that what you said about a breeder is so important because if 
you know, and I say this in the document about what to look for in a breeder that we have on Doodle Kisses, you might know a few people who got a dog from pie in the sky kennels and their dogs are great. And yeah, you know, like, okay, their dogs are great. I, maybe I should get one there too. But even a puppy mill can put out a dog that's pretty good, right? There's always, it's not like every puppy mill dog is this sick, crippled thing that you can hardly look at. That's not how it works. Um, genetics isn't that um, hardcore in terms of like, they're all sick and everything they create is sick. So you can get, you can get lucky or have a friend who got lucky and have a relatively healthy, well-tempered dog from a puppy mill or a backyard breeder. But in the meantime, that puppy mill and backyard breeders' dogs are suffering in one way or another. They're being bred when they shouldn't be. They might not be given the attention they need. They might be neglected or abused or, or simply, you know, maybe that backyard breeder who isn't necessarily abusing or neglecting to any great degree is breeding dogs that are unsound and unhealthy and creating offspring that have genetic conditions that could have been prevented. So it's not only about your risk in getting a dog from a particular breeder, but thinking of dogs as a whole and whether that breeder is doing a, a good job for dogs or not such a great job. Um, and as far as obedience, you know, I agree 110%. I think it's a beautiful thing. And you don't have to go into obedience thinking that you're going to have a perfect dog in the end. And some people think, well, you know, I don't, I tell my dog things and they don't listen and that's fine. If you have a good bond with your dog and you do things with it, maybe that's just fine. I don't think everyone has to get to competition level, but there's something about regularly spending intentional time working on things together that builds that relationship and trust. It's like with any other relationship with you have, um, with marriage, right? Like the point isn't to get your spouse to do everything you say, although I would love that, right? <laughs> but it's about doing things together where you're working on something that is important to you or with your friends, you know, you spend time and you do things and you have fun together. And, and sometimes in our busy lives, if we work, it's hard to get that done. You know, we, you might have a cuddle at the end of the evening, but your dog doesn't necessarily trust or respect you. So and then you have trouble taking it out because it's so disobedient on leash and then you can't do this and that. And so it kind of compounds, things compound on each other and obedience training, whether or not you get to a high level is still valuable for that time and trust building. And your dog definitely doesn't have to be perfect to go into competitions either. You know, there are dogs who do all sorts of things in those competitions, and it's really a lot of fun. You go and you interact with people who are dog people. I yeah. really enjoy spending time with dog people. They get me. Yeah, I used to be scared of dog people, and I love dog people now. Because, <laughs> yeah, See? they totally get the our feelings about our dogs, and mm -hmm. and it's amazing what that's like because before I had my first dog, before I met my husband, I wasn't a dog person. I thought about maybe getting a dog, but in my mind, it was this puppy that I, you know, have a dog house for in the backyard and would mess my house. And and once I had, once he got Thule back then, and I got Roscoe, and then we started to go meet up with other dog owners. It was like a whole new world opened up because mm -hmm. I'm a pretty shy, reserved person. But suddenly we're talking about our dogs and that's comfortable and it's fun. And, you know, really, I mean, doodle kisses of all things. I've met so many more people because mm -hmm. of my dogs. Well, Stacey, anything else that you want to add? No, I think that's about everything. We covered my whole life. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you so much for taking time out to come to the podcast. I really wanted people to hear about you and Maggie to give them hope if they have a dog that's more like Maggie or if they're thinking about rescue that you may not get this perfect out of the box dog, but if you're willing to put time and effort into it, um, you can do amazing things with your dog and you can help dogs need homes and just a beautiful story. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Doodle Kisses podcast. If you have any ideas or recommendations for future topics or guests, send me an email at admin at doodlekisses.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at doodlekisses.com. Also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts so you can have every episode ready to listen to as soon as it comes out. The show notes will link you to our GoFundMe page as well as links to some of the things we discussed in today's episode. Talk to you next time on the next episode of the Doodle Kisses podcast.